Chapter Two of the Life of Clara Barton, Volume One, by William Barton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, The Birth of Clara Barton. Clara Barton was a Christmas gift to the world. She was born December twenty fifth, eighteen twenty one. Her parents named her Clarissa Harlow. It was a name with interesting literary associations. Novels now grow overnight and are forgotten in a day. The paper mills are glutted with the waste of yesterday's popular works of fiction, and the perishability of paper is all that prevents the stopping of all the wheels of progress with the accumulation of obsolete bestsellers. But it was not so in 1821. The novels of Samuel Richardson, issued in the middle of the previous century, were still popular. He wrote Pamela, or Virtue Rewarded, a novel named for its heroine, a pure and simple-minded country girl, who repelled the dishonorable proposals of her employer until he came to respect her and married her, and they lived happily ever after. The plot of this story lives again in a thousand moving picture dramas, in which the heroine is a shop girl or an art student. But Richardson required two volumes to tell the story, and it ran through five editions in a year. He also wrote Sir Charles Grandison, and it required six volumes to portray that hero's smug priggishness. But the Reverend Dr. Finney, president of Oberlin College, who was also the foremost evangelist of his time, and whose system of theology wrought in its day a revolution, was not the only distinguished man who bore the name of Charles Grandison. But Richardson's greatest literary triumph was Clarissa Harlowe. Lady Mary Wortley Montague was not far wrong when she declared that the chambermaids of all nations wept over Pamela, and that all the ladies of quality were on their knees to Richardson, imploring him to spare Clarissa. Clarissa was not a servant like Pamela. She was a lady of quality and she had a lover socially her equal, but morally on a par with a considerable number of the gentry of his day. His name, Lovelace, became the popular designation of the gentleman profligate. Clarissa's sorrows at his hands ran through eight volumes, and, as the lachrymose sentiment ran out to volume after volume, the gentlewoman of the English reading world wept tears that might have made another flood. Samuel Richardson wrote the story of Clarissa Harlow in 1748, but the story still was read, and the name of the heroine was loved in 1821. But Clarissa Harlow Barton did not permanently bear the incubus of so long a name. Among her friends she was always Clara, and though for years she signed her name Clara H. Barton, the convenience and rhythm of the shorter name 
won over the time-honored sentiment attached to the title of the novel, and the world knows her simply as Clara Barton. He who rides on the electric cars from Worcester to Webster will pass Bartlett's upper mills, where a weather-beaten sign at the crossroads points the way to Clara Barton's birthplace. About a mile from the main street, on the summit of a rounded hill, the visitor will find the house where she was born. It stands with its side to the road, a hall dividing it through the middle. It is an unpretentious home, but comfortable. One story high at the eaves, but rising with the rafters to afford elevation for chambers upstairs. In the rear room, on the left side, on the ground floor, the children of the Barton family were born. Clara was the fifth and youngest child, ten years younger than her sister next older. The eldest child, Dorothy, was born October 2, 1804, and died April 19, 1846. The next two children were sons, Stephen, the third to bear the name, born March 29, 1806, and David, born August 15, 1808. Then came another daughter, Sarah, born March 20, 1811. These four children followed each other at intervals of a little more than two years, but Clara had between her and the other children a wide gap of more than a decade. Her brothers were fifteen and thirteen, respectively, and her sister was going on eleven when she arrived. She came into a world that was already well grown up and fully occupied with concerns of its own. Had there been between her and the other children an ascending series of four or five graduated steps of heads, the first a little taller than her own, and the others rising in orderly sequence, the rest of the universe would not have been quite so formidable. But she was the sole representative of babyhood in the home at the time of her arrival. So she began her somewhat solitary pilgrimage, from a cradle fringed about with interested and affectionate observers, all of whom had been babies a good while before but had forgotten about it, into that vast and vague domain inhabited by the adult portion of the human race. And while she was not unattended, her journey had its elements of solitude. End of chapter 2